0: This is the Music Halls of Fame podcast. This week, we honor the year in music for 2013, along with a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class of 2013. We look at the case for putting Cher into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Plus, our spotlight museum is the Canadian Hall of Fame Museum in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Before we get going with the podcast, like everyone tells you, please like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell so you'll know when these podcast episodes drop, which is usually every Thursday. Now, on to this week's episode. The year was 2013. In music for 2013, Beyoncé reunited with the rest of Destiny's Child during her halftime performance at the Super Bowl. Then, on December 13th of that year, she surprise-dropped her album Beyoncé, starting a trend of big-name artists surprise-dropping albums. Lord debuted in 2013 as well with her album Pure Heroine. Some of the biggest albums of the year included Daft Punk's Random Access Memories, Rihanna's Unapologetic, Mumford & Sons' Babble, Pink's The Truth About Love, Eminem's The Marshall Mathers LP 2, Katy Perry's Prism, Lady Gaga's Art Pop, Lords' Pure Heroine, Bruno Mars' Unorthodox Jukebox, Florida Georgia Line's Here's to Good Times, One Direction's Take Me Home, Drake's Nothing Was the Same, Beyoncé's Self-Titled Beyoncé, Blake Shelton's Based on a True Story, Luke Bryan's Crash My Party, Imagine Dragons' Night Visions, Tyler the Creator's Wolf, Jay-Z's Magna Carta, Holy Grail, Justin Timberlake's A 2020 Experience, 21 Pilots Vessel, and Chance the Rapper's Acid Rap. The soundtrack to the movie Frozen also came out very late in 2013, but that one got mega popular in 2014. Singles-wise... 2013 was the year of Daft Punk, who ruled the charts with their smash hit Get Lucky. Robin Thicke became big with his song Blurred Lines, then was sued and lost the lawsuit in 2015 to Marvin Gaye's estate, when the estate said that Blurred Lines was a little too close to Marvin's 1970s classic Got to Give It Up. Other hits from 2013 included Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball, Katy Perry's Roar, Lords' Royals, Avicii's Wake Me Up, Macklemore's Can't Hold Us, along with his song Thrift Shop. And Drake started from the bottom, now he, uh, along with novelty song What Does the Fox Say from the duo Ilvis. And yes, that was actually a huge hit for some weird reason. Couldn't tell you. In country music, 2013 marked the year that Taylor Swift ended her country period with her album Red. Her next album, 1989, would take her music style from country to the pop realm. Country was still strong though, as artists like Blake Shelton, Florida Georgia Line, Luke Bryan, Jason Aldean, Little Big Town, Eric Church, Lady Antebellum, now known as Lady A, Hunter Hayes, Darius Rucker, the band Perry, and Tim McGraw all had good years that year. In hip-hop, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis were the big artists with songs Thrift Shop and Can't Hold Us. Kendrick Lamar, Lil Wayne, Drake, Jay-Z, Pitbull, Eminem, Whale, and J. Cole also had big artists. Songs, the biggest albums were released by Eminem, Jay Z, Kanye, Drake, J Cole, Lil Wayne, Whale, Kid Cudi, ASAP Rocky, and Mac Miller, the late great Mac Miller. In dance music, EDM was in full swing in the mainstream, with EDM artists regularly cracking both the pop and dance charts. To go along with the usual pop and R&B artists who were normally found on the dance charts. 2013 was the year that Bear broke through with the hit Harlem Shake, thanks to the viral video trend that surrounded the song. At the age of 17, Martin Garrix came onto the scene with his song Animals. Avicii's Wake Me Up moved him into the mainstream and into the top 10 on the pop charts, along with Daft Punk's Get Lucky. Other dance anthems of the year that came from EDM artists at least, included Emily Sands' Next to Me, Fatboy Slim's Eat, Sleep, Rave, Repeat, Dimitri Vegas and Like Mike's Mammoth, Alesso and One Republic's If I Lose Myself, Dubs and Bourget's Tsunami, Showtek's Booyah, Oliver Helden's Gecko. Tegan and Sarah's Closer, Vessi's We Are Young, Tiesto's Red Light, Cedric Gervais's remix of Lana Del Rey's ballad, Summertime Sadness, Zed's Clarity, David Guetta's Work Hard, Swedish House Mafia's Don't You Worry Child, and Icona Pops' I Love It. 2013 was also the year of the Superstar Stadium DJ, as the Top 10 DJs on DJ Mag's Top 100 DJs Poll were Hardwell, Armin Van Buren, Avicii, Tiesto, David Guetta, Dimitri Vegas, and Like Mike, Nicky Romero, Steve Aoki, Afrojack, and Dash Berlin. In Latin music, the big artists for 2013 were Jenny Rivera, Mark Anthony, Romeo Santos, John Omar, Prince Royce, Alejandro Fernandez, Maná, Alejandro Sanz, and Daddy Yankee. Bands that formed in 2013 included BTS, The Brothers Osborne, GRL, Pup, and Run the Jewels. Stone Temple Pilots lead singer Scott Wheeland was fired from the band and was replaced for a while by Chester Bennington of Linkin Park. Bands that either broke up until their inevitable reunions or announced their hiatus in 2013 included A Tribe Called Quest, The Bloodhound Gang, Evanescence, Lifehouse, Mumford & Sons, My Chemical Romance, Climax, Swedish House Mafia, Naughty by Nature, Girls Aloud, The Jonas Brothers, and Prince and the New Power Generation. At least half of those groups got back together again in some way, shape, or form within about a decade. In fact, the group, the Postal Service, broke up and reformed in 2013. Bands that also reformed in 2013, other than the Postal Service, included All Saints, Danity Kane, Black Flag, The Calling, Jurassic Five, Fallout Boy, King Crimson, Nine Inch Nails, Rocket from the Crypt, The Violent Femmes, and TLC. Famous musical deaths in 2013 included singer Patti Page, singer Patti Andrews of the Andrews Sisters, Ray Manzarek of The Doors, entertainer extraordinaire Miss Annette Funicello, Chrissy Amphlett of the group The Divinals, Joey Covington of Jefferson Airplane, country music singer Mindy McCready, singer Tony Sheridan, pianist Van Clyburn, rapper Lil Snoop, guitarist Alvin Lee of 10 Years After, Alan Myers of Devo, Corey Monteith of Glee, drummer Clive Burr of Iron Maiden, pianist Don Shirley, folk singer Richie Havens, country music singer George Jones, blues singer Bobby Blue Bland, singer JJ Cale, Chris Kelly of Criss Cross, Pete Haycock of Climax Blues Band, keyboardist George M. Duke, singer Edie Gourmet of the duo Stephen Edie. Philip Chevron of the Pogues, Jan Kiernemund of Vixen, Jeff Hanneman of Slayer, jazz pianist Cedar Walton Jr., Lou Reed of the Velvet Underground, jazz drummer and band leader Chico Hamilton, along with singer-songwriter Ray Price. In award ceremonies for the music of 2013, at the Grammy Awards, Daft Punk became the first EDM Act to Win Album of the Year for their album Random Access Memories. Get Lucky won the French duo Record of the Year, Song of the Year went to Lourdes' Royals, and 2013 was the year that Macklemore and Ryan Lewis beat out Kendrick Lamar for Best New Artist, an extremely controversial decision to be nice about it. At the MTV Video Music Awards, Justin Timberlake's Mirrors won Video of the Year. That was also the ceremony where Miley Cyrus twerked in front of Robin Thicke during his performance of his song Blurred Lines, which created just a little more controversy. At the American Music Awards, Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande, and Florida Georgia Line were the big winners. At the Billboard Music Awards, Justin Timberlake, Miley Cyrus, Lord, and Robin Thicke were the winners. Kendrick Lamar won Album of the Year at the Soul Train Music Awards. Justin Timberlake's The 2020 Experience won Favorite Album, and Katy Perry's song Roar won Favorite Song at the People's Choice Awards. George Strait won Entertainer of the Year at the Country Music Association Awards, and Miranda Lambert and Luke Bryan were the big winners at the Academy of Country Music Awards. Arctic Monkeys won Best British Album for their album AM, and Rudimental and Ella Eyre won Best Song for Waiting All Night at the Brit Awards. Serena Ryder won Artist of the Year while Arcade Fire won Album of the Year for Reflector and Tegan and Sarah won Song of the Year for Closer at the Juno Awards. Tame Impala won Album of the Year for Lonerism and Matt Corby won Song of the Year for Resolution at the Aria Music Awards. At the Eurovision Singing Contest, which was held in Sweden that year, the country Denmark won for the song only Teardrops. At the Tony Awards, Kinky Boots won Best Musical and Pippin won Best Revival of a Musical. For Academy Awards Music Categories, the soundtrack to Frozen won Best Film Score while the song Let It Go won Best Song for the movie Frozen. Caroline Shaw won the Pulitzer Prize for Music for Partita for Eight Voices and James Blake won the Mercury Music Prize for his album Overgrown. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony took place on April 18, 2013 at the Nokia Theater in Los Angeles, California. It was actually the first time that Los Angeles hosted the ceremony since 1993. It was also the first time that the fans were able to vote on who would get in. That vote, which only counted for one of 500 votes for the hall, was won by the group Rush. The hall inducted record producer and executive Lou Adler, along with producer and songwriter Quincy Jones, into the non-performers category. And in the performers category, the hall inducted Hart, Randy Newman, Public Enemy, Rush, Albert King, and this next artist... Donna Summer was the third of seven kids and was born Donna Adrian Gaines on New Year's Eve 1948 in Boston, Massachusetts. Her mom was a teacher and her dad was a butcher. When she was in high school, Donna was, as we called them back in the day, a theater kid and performed in the school musicals in Boston. Just before she was about to graduate, she moved to New York City to chase her musical dreams. Donna started out as a singer in the blues rock group Black Crow, not to be confused with the 90s group The Black Crows. She also tried out for the Broadway production of the musical Hair, landing the part of Julia, When the production started touring Europe, Donna joined the touring group and ended up in Europe, specifically Munich, Germany, where she met the men who would change her life and career, hit producers Giorgio Moroder and Pete Bellot. They were the ones who produced some of her biggest hits, especially while she recorded for Casablanca Records back in the disco era. When it comes right down to it, no female vocalist has left as big an impact on dance music in general and on EDM specifically as Donna Summer. She is a vocalist who is considered the template for all other female vocalists who followed, and one of her songs was the unofficial start of what became known as EDM on donna's 1977 album i remember yesterday giorgio Moroder wanted to create an album that traveled through time each song on her fifth album would put a spin on a different decade and type of music from swing onward giorgio and donna wanted to have a song that sounded futuristic now back in the 1970s mind you everybody thought that the future would be robots, spandex and electronic music well they got two out of the three right thankfully we're not all walking around in spandex suits yet because really that would just be ugly anyway to achieve this futuristic sound giorgio used a moog synthesizer sequencer He could only record for 30 seconds at a time because the Moog kept going out of tune. He got the futuristic hi-hat cymbal sound from all of the white noise that the Moog was kicking out. The Moog couldn't do a decent kick drum sound, though, so they recorded it with a regular kick drum on your average, everyday-old drum kit. I guess some parts of the present actually made it into the future. All of this was actually done on a 16-track recorder. That was it. Not some 120 track layered one on top of another. You know, sometimes simple is actually just good and good enough. The song I Feel Love was released on July 2nd, 1977. While the song didn't get to number one on the Billboard pop chart in America, having topped out at number six, it did hit number one in three other countries. Its futuristic sound would be used again by Giorgio Moroder when he released the soundtrack to the movie Midnight Express. That soundtrack, with its international hit single Chase, went on to win an Academy Award. After a few years of reigning as the Queen of Disco, Donna decided that she wanted more of a rock sound. The result was the album Bad Girls, and once again she used Giorgio Moroder. Mroeder brought in another producer who would go on to have a hit of his own a few years later, Harold Faltermeyer, who did the song Axel F, otherwise known as Axel Foley's theme song from the hit movie Beverly Hills Cop, starring Eddie Murphy. The album, despite the fact that she didn't think that it was disco, was still danceable. It just was disco music with some guitars thrown in. The album Bad Girls went triple platinum in 1979 and had the hits Bad Girls, Dim All the Lights, and this next song. The song Hot Stuff was written by Pete Belote, Harold Faltermeyer, and Keith Forsey. The guitar solo was done by Jeff Skunk Baxter, who used to be the guitarist in the group The Doobie Brothers. The song was released on April 13, 1979, and the song went top 10 in 14 different countries. In America, it hit number one and was the seventh biggest song of 1979. There was also a re-release in 2012 where it hit the charts again, but this time it wasn't as big a hit. After spending the early 1980s on both Geffen and Mercury Records, Donna switched record labels to Atlantic Records. Her last big pop hit was This Time I Know It's For Real in 1989 off of her first album for Atlantic Records, Another Place in Time. After that, she released another album for Atlantic before moving back to Mercury Records for two albums in the 1990s. Then she took a break before putting out her last album while she was alive, 2008's Crayons for Burgundy Records, which yielded hits on the dance charts. Donna released the song To Paris With Love in 2010, which did well on the dance charts, but then her health started to deteriorate. She made appearances for a couple more years and worked on some more music before passing away from lung cancer on May 17, 2012. Donna claimed in an interview that she may have gotten cancer from fumes from the 2001 World Trade Center attacks as her apartment was near the World Trade Center at the time since she had quit smoking back in her 20s. However... Others have said that it may have been from secondhand smoke from all the clubs that she used to sing at back in the day. And plus, her family had a history of lung cancer, so that may have played a part in it as well. Donna Summer released 17 studio albums, 2 live albums, and 32 compilation albums. Of those, 14 went top 40, with 7 of those 14 going top 10, including 3 double albums hitting number 1. 1978's Live and More, along with 1979's Bad Girls and On the Radio Greatest Hits Volumes 1 and 2, making Donna Summer the first artist to have three double albums hit number one. Donna also released 89 singles. Of those, 47 hit the top 40, with 39 of those 47 hit in the top 10, including 24 that hit number one either on the pop chart, the dance chart, or in some cases, both. She was the first African-American woman to get an MTV Video Music Award nomination for the video for the song, She Works Hard for the Money. She was nominated for 18 Grammy Awards, winning five of them. Her hits like Love to Love You Baby, I Feel Love, MacArthur Park, Bad Girls, She Works Hard for the Money, The Wanderer, Last Dance, her duet with Barbara Streisand, No More Tears, Enough is Enough, on the radio, Hot Stuff, Dim All the Lights, Heaven Knows, to my personal favorite, Love is in Control, Finger on the Trigger, helped to shape a generation of dance music lovers, and her music still gets played on the radio to this very day. Presented for induction by Kelly Rowland of Destiny's Child, Donna Summer inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2013, and we have put a selection of her music on this week's music podcast playlist The link to which is in the show notes. Before we go any further, we'd like to tell you that there is now a Music History in Depth podcast where we go more in depth on a few of the events that happened in music history for that particular week. The Music History In-Depth podcast drops every Tuesday on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts from, as does our Music History Today podcast, which goes over the daily events in music history. The Music History Today podcast drops daily, including weekends, on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to this podcast. Cher made some news a few weeks ago when she said that she would not want to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, even if they gave her a million dollars. This was in response to a question that she received on a talk show about why she wasn't in the hall yet, which is a very good question, actually. Her response made news because I guess it's been a slow news month with absolutely nothing of importance going on in the world, so what better for the press to focus on than this story? I mean, it's not like there's any wars going on or anything. Be that as it may, I do have a theory as to why she isn't in the hall yet, which we're going to get to in a minute. Before then, though, let's, as always, check the stats, and to the tail of the tape we go. Share has released 27 studio albums, 3 live albums, 4 soundtrack albums, and 10 compilation albums. Of those, 15 hit the top 40 in America, with 7 of those 15 going top 10. The highest charting ones being 2013's Closer to the Truth and 2018's Dancing Queen, which both hit number 3. Share has also released 84 singles. Of those, 34 have gone top 40 in America, with 12 of those 34 going top 10, including four going all the way up to number one, 1971's Gypsies, Tramps and Thieves, 1973's Half Breed, 1974's Dark Lady, and 1998's Believe. Cher has sold over 100 million records worldwide. She is one of the few solo artists to have had a song go top 40 on the American charts in seven consecutive decades, with her first being 1965's All I Really Want to Do, and her latest being 2023's DJ Play a Christmas Song. She is also the only solo artist to have a number one song on an American music chart for seven consecutive decades. So with that much dominance, along with being both a style icon and for also having a few popular TV music variety shows, plus her many other accolades and honors, including a Kennedy Center honor, why hasn't Cher been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet? I believe the reason why both she and some other women, honestly, have either not been inducted or it took forever for them to be inducted lies with the power of one man. Jan Wenner used to run Rolling Stone magazine and was one of the chief forces behind getting the hall built. He had, up until recently been either the head of the Hall of Fame or a board member with all of the power and influence on the nominating committees that comes with that position. Jan has now been dropped as a board member by the Hall due to some comments about female musical artists that he gave in an interview while propping up his book about rock pioneers which didn't for some reason have female artists in it. Google the actual comments. If you want to know what he said, I'm not even going to bother, but it was pretty disrespectful and denigrating towards women. I will just say that they were not flattering, but They did bring to light his thinking about women, specifically female artists, which also makes me think that he's probably one of the big reasons, if not the reason, why women have taken forever to make progress in the hall. But now that he has been sidelined, maybe the logjam can finally be broken and many more women who deserve to be inducted can finally get in because Cher absolutely deserves to be inducted, even though she still won't show regardless. While we're on the subject of Cher, the next batch of nominations are due out very soon as they tend to be announced sometime in January. Therefore, depending on if they're announced in the next week, we'll either look at the new nominations or we will take a look at putting Cher's duo, Sonny and Cher, into the rock and roll hall of fame and of course just to prove how great she is not that we need to but we'll do it anyway we're gonna put a selection of her music onto this week's music podcast playlist whose link is in the show notes In America, the main lobby group for the recording industry and the one who gives out the Grammy Awards is the Recording Academy. Its Canadian equivalent is the Canadian Academy for the Recording Arts and Sciences. Their version of the Grammys are the Juno Awards. In 1978, the Canadian Academy started inducting groups into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. The physical hall was opened in 2016 as a part of the National Music Center on Level 5 of Studio Bell on 850 4th Street Southeast in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. The center is normally open Thursday to Sunday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. The price of admission is to pay what you can. As with everything else these days, check with their website for updated hours of operation. Studiobell.ca is its website, and we will throw that website into the show notes down below. Unlike the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which normally has six or more artists inducted every year, depending on various category committees, the Canadian Hall usually only inducts one group into its hall per year. In fact, it's only inducted more than one artist per year, about six or more times since the 1978. Canada has produced some great musical acts over the years. Rush, Neil Young, Alanis Morissette, Leonard Cohen, Joni Mitchell, the list goes on and on. But for my money, this next act was one of my favorite acts to come out of the Great White North in the 1980s. Brian Adams was born in Kingston, Ontario on November 5th, 1959. His father was in the Canadian Diplomatic Corps, so Brian traveled around a lot as a kid. By the time Brian was 15, the family had moved to Vancouver, Canada. He started playing in a band called Sweeney Todd, which had a minor hit with the song Roxy Roller. Brian quit the band a year after that. Brian formed his own band, and in 1978, he signed a record deal with a and Records. Most artists get big signing bonuses, which are really just loans for recording studio fees and the like. Brian's signing bonus? One dollar. That's it. One dollar. Not sure if that was a U.S. dollar or a Canadian one, because Canadian dollars are usually worth a little bit more. Anyway, Brian released his self-titled first album in 1980, which was a moderate hit in Canada. He followed that one up with the album You Want It, You Got It, which had the hit Lonely Nights, which went to top five on the American rock charts. His 1983 third album, Cuts Like a Knife, was the album that burst the dam wide open for him. The songs Straight From the Heart, which went to number 10 in America, Cuts Like a Knife, which went to number 15 in America, and This Time, which went top 30, all became big international hits thanks to MTV playing the music videos for the songs. Brian continued the run with the Mega Smash album Reckless, which went to number one on the Billboard charts. That album had the songs Run to You, Summer of 69, Somebody, It's Only Love with Tina Turner, who was in the middle of her comeback with the album Private Dancer, and One Night Love Affair. The first single that was technically released from that album was the smash hit Heaven, which was originally on the soundtrack to the Christopher Atkin-Leslie Ann Warren movie A Night in Heaven, and then put onto the Reckless album. The album Into the Fire closed out the 1980s and had the hits Heat of the Night and Hearts on Fire. As the 1990s rolled around, Brian continued his winning streak. The album Waking Up the Neighbors went number one thanks to the huge hit Everything I Do, I Do It For You, which was also on the soundtrack to the movie Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which starred Kevin Costner attempting to pull off a British accent and failing miserably at it, along with the late, great Alan Rachins who played the sheriff of Nottingham, and of course was also in the Harry Potter movies, along with Die Hard, which is still a Christmas movie, I don't care what anybody says. Anyway, I digress. The song Everything I Do, I Do It For You has also garnered some notoriety for being one of the go-to songs for politicians to play at their campaign rallies. To which Brian's lawyers usually follow that up with a lovely little cease and desist letter all wrapped up in a nice little bow. The album also had the hits Thought I Died and Gone to Heaven, Can't Stop This Thing We Started, and Do I Have to Say the Words. Brian had a few more hits in the 1990s, including Please Forgive Me and The Only Thing That Looks Good On Me Is You. He also had two more songs on soundtrack albums, Have You Ever Really Loved a Woman from the movie Don Juan DeMarco, and his song with Rod Stewart and Sting, All for Love from the movie The Three Musketeers. That movie starring Kiefer Sutherland, Charlie Sheen, and Oliver Platt, if memory serves. Even though he hasn't been as big a music force in the new millennium that he was in the latter part of the old millennium, his concerts are still extremely popular. He still sells out while on tour, and he's also written songs for the Broadway musical Pretty Woman, based on the Richard Gere Julia Roberts movie. Brian released 15 studio albums, 7 live albums, 6 compilation albums, 2 soundtrack albums, and 2 EPs. Of those, 7 hit the top 40 in America, including 5 of those 7 hitting the top 10, with Reckless hitting number 1 and selling 12 million copies worldwide. Brian has also released 75 singles of those 22 hit the top 40 in america including 11 of those hitting the top 10 with four number one singles the aforementioned songs heaven everything i do i do it for you all for love along with have you ever really 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 ever loved a woman He's sold over 100 million records worldwide. He's won 130 different awards out of 223 nominations, including 20 Juno Awards, one American Music Award, and one Grammy Award out of 16 nominations. Brian's also been given spots on the Canadian and Hollywood Walks of Fame, along with being an officer of the Order of Canada and also an officer of the Order of British Columbia, and a winner of Queen Elizabeth II's Golden Jubilee Medal. Brian is a noted philanthropist and humanitarian, along with also being an animal rights activist, and he is also an accomplished photographer with numerous exhibitions of his work. When taken as a whole, that makes that $1 bonus, either U.S. or Canadian, seem like a pretty good investment at the time. Brian Adams inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame in Calgary, Alberta, Canada in 2006. And we have put his greatest hits onto this week's music podcast playlist. The link, of course, as I've said numerous times, is in the show notes. The Music Halls of Fame podcast is part of the Music History Today network, which can be found under Music History Today on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And also on our YouTube page under Music History Today. Thank you very much for listening.